This podcast is brought to you by On Track Studio. another episode of the Don't Sweat It podcast. On today's episode, I do chat with Maddie Don't. Maddie is a holistic health coach and specifically focuses on women's hormones, women's health, and she just is so passionate for these topics. Today, we chat about the contraceptive pill, PCOS and endometriosis, as well as why it is just so important for your health and your hormones to fuel your body with good whole foods. If you are in lockdown, please, please try and get out in that fresh air, get some sun, enjoy this epic episode by going for a walk. Um, also gang if you do love these podcasts I would absolutely love if you could please post about them share um, some content tag me in it or even share with a friend when you do post and share these episodes around it means that I am doing my job right and I can continue to do these episodes now let's chat to Mads Welcome in, Mads. Hello, how are you? Thank you so much for being here this morning. I'm good. Thank you so much. This is so nice to do in lockdown. I think like your energy, I can already tell that you're just like so, I don't know, <laughs> full of energy. So it's, um yeah, it's going to be an amazing chat. I feel definitely something that I, I need this week. I know. I feel like so many people need just positive energy and that's what I've really been trying to do on my like socials I'm like look if I can make someone laugh if I can um, make someone feel good and feel happy then like I'm doing my job and um, hopefully this episode will be the same so you are in lockdown too how are you going in lockdown um yeah I'm actually doing fine this time it's really weird because I think that my ability to cope in lockdown depends on what's going on in my life and, you know, if anything's causing me anxiety or anything like that. So um, I had like a few dramas last lockdown when it was only like three or four days um, like in my external environment that were like causing me um, more anxiety. So three or four days felt like the world to me, whereas like now that it's a week long, I'm still like just I'm fine with it. I'm just like enjoying my own time. I guess when I work for myself from home anyway, it's just kind of normal to me. So I guess it'll probably be a bit different when we get to the weekend and then I can't go anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know we've, we've only, um, we've been in lockdown since Sunday and it is Wednesday today. We've got until Sunday again. Um, and potentially, I mean, we don't know what's going to happen, do we? So, we won't try and delve into that anymore, but I feel like <laughs> I feel the same. I feel like the very first lockdown that we kind of went through um, like last year where it was like, well, we like our gym wasn't able to open for 12 weeks. So we had three months off mm. and like I didn't really realize it would, it affected me probably as, as much as it did because um, I don't know, I think just every single day you just kind of get up you try and have a routine in lockdown and and if you're not working as much as what you normally are I like found it very hard to stay motivated and to stay like moving even um and I feel I feel the exact same way I was like after after that lockdown I was like I will never ever let myself get back into that kind of headspace and I think it's so important and again like I was saying like if I can just show people that it's going to be okay and like 
um, to try and get through this. Like we can all get through this together. I know that everyone's kind of saying that at the moment and it's honestly true. So I'm really grateful that um, there are so many people like on, especially on social media at the moment that are giving such like positive vibes. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think like we have a lot of control over like how we feel when we go into lockdown as well. Not like it's not necessarily automatic. Sometimes we have to work on it, but there is a huge shift in mindset just between people who feel like they have no purpose and they have so much anxiety over what's going to happen and they just don't have that direction versus people who have a mission, they have direction and they are able to pivot because last year, like during that really long lockdown, I was totally fine like the whole time. Obviously, I kind of missed being social, but that was when I was writing my ebook. So I got up every day and, you know, I, I worked on it and I had like a project that I was working on. But if you don't necessarily have something that you're working on or towards, then it's just like every day kind of blends into one another. So, yeah, I guess like my advice to anyone who is struggling is to like try and start a new hobby or just like have a little project where there are baby steps and you can work towards something. Absolutely. Great advice there. And um, yeah, I think just keeping yourself um, busy and like trying to work out kind of what your purpose is throughout this lockdown is like, you know, and it could just be that your purpose is to to get out for a walk more because you might not be able to walk because you're so busy during your normal life. So like, I don't know, try and find that silver lining. There, There's a couple of them. Um, I know it can be easy to kind of go into that that dark side. Um, but there are some silver linings that are coming out of this, I think. 100%. And your purpose could just be to rest. Like it could just be to watch Netflix. That yeah. is a totally valid purpose too, if that's what's going to make you happy, because I guess a lot of people are very stressed in their everyday mm-hmm. lives. So maybe this is a good opportunity to do that too. So don't think that you always have to have a hustle to have as your purpose or yeah, Hell even no. just moving your body. Yeah, absolutely. I watched um, Charlie's Angels um yesterday and I like absolutely loved it I was like oh my god okay I'm gonna watch Charlie's Angels number two today so that's that's my um that's on my to-do list today (laughs) you know I only actually saw Charlie's Angels for the first time the other day as well I was like why have I not seen this before it's so old it's amazing I just like these three girls like Cameron Diaz Lucy (laughs) Liu and Drew Barrymore rock my socks like they are like ultimate girl girl boss vibes I'm like I'm living for them so, um, 100%. Mads, tell me a little bit about yourself. Tell us all who you are, what you do, and why you are in the spot or position you are in now. Um, okay, so the spot or position I am in now, I am a holistic hormone coach. Um, so I pretty much have a really strong passion of educating women on their bodies, their hormones, their health, so that they can advocate for their health and their bodies because if they're not educated then it makes it really hard for them to then um, advocate and take responsibility for themselves and their health so that all originated um, originally I was a high school biology teacher um, so science and maths for high schoolers and I pretty much saw what was and what was not taught in high school for women like sex ed Mm -hmm. I even like taught a couple of sex ed classes and obviously taught it throughout my high school biology classes as well and anything that was taught was just on such a matter of fact science level um and it just wasn't um 
relatable to the girls and they couldn't really apply it in their own lives um, or they couldn't see like how it was um, applicable, even though obviously it, what was go- it's what was going on within. Um, or there were sex ed classes like when I was at school where they just taught you how to put a condom on a banana or showed you like a bunch of photos of STDs so that you pretty much never had sex. Exactly. Do you know what? I was actually only just talking about this to um, a girlfriend and I was like, no one, like during sex ed in school, we like were scared to have sex, right? It was like if a penis went in a vagina, you would automatically get pregnant and then your life is over. And like if only we could educate like both sides, like male and female, that like, you know, there's so much more to it than that. Like even falling pregnant, like we know how hard that actually is to do. Like it's a pretty damn miracle if it does happen on accident. Um, And like no one really understands that, right? Yeah, like the the way that it happens on accident is when people are irresponsible. And so what the school should actually be doing is enhancing the education around that rather than just, you know, going for the fearful tactic because then if people aren't truly taught, you know, about their bodies and when they're fertile, then when they do have sex, they're not going to know like what, like when the right time is to do that or what the best forms of contraception are. Um, They're just going to kind of have that fear-based thought. Um, And then also like if all you're taught in terms of contraception is like the contraceptive pill or condoms, um, a lot of people may like you know not want to use those or use them incorrectly and then it's just a big shit show really oh my god absolutely have you always been like into health and well-being is that kind of been always your passion um yeah ever since I left high school I wasn't actually um I mean I was healthy through high school growing up um my parents like always raised us to have like really good meals and enjoy healthy food and and whatnot Um, but I was not athletic or fit at all in school. Like I couldn't even run down the street without stopping. It just was not for me, but I was always that kid that was like, I'll give it a go. So I would just like go for the participation points in sports, just have a laugh. But, um, when I left high school and I moved, so I'm from the Sunshine Coast and then I moved to Brisbane for uni and, um, started living at college by myself. And that's when I kind of realized like, all right, I'm responsible for my grocery shopping now. I'm responsible for my physical activity. Like I'm studying. I could pretty much just sit in my bedroom all day. Um, Like I need to go out and do something and actually Mm -hmm. take responsibility for my life. So it kind of just came really authentically um, as a result of, you know, moving out and becoming independent. But in terms of like, so I went and studied a Bachelor of Science. I've always really loved biology and how the body and the mind works. Um, But in terms of like health science and helping people with that side of things, that passion didn't really come until I started struggling with health and my hormones myself and my family started struggling with different health conditions as well. And it was just a big wake up call that like we can't just breeze through life and use the contraceptive Mm -hmm. pill to like, you know, sort all our problems. We actually need to have a look at what the root cause is, what's going on and fix it for the long term, not just like slapping a bandaid over it short term. So mm. I kind of used my science degree. Um, and obviously like I've got that background in like being able to research and read all the scientific journal yeah. articles and stuff instead of just Googling my symptoms. So I actually went to the source and the evidence and um, surprisingly found answers really, really quickly. Like most people struggle for years and years and years. And I think it took me about 
three months to really get a handle on things and start down the right path. And then after six months, I just was like, it was like I just had been open to this whole new world of natural medicine, which is actually so deeply rooted in science and like chemistry. It's not funny. Um, it's not like woohoo at all. So I was like, I need to learn more about this. So that's kind of when I had my quarter life crisis, <laughs> left teaching, went back to uni to learn natural medicine and um, yeah, started my business. Wow. That is incredible. So if you don't mind sharing, what exactly was kind of your health complications that you kind of found? Is it common for women to experience what you're experiencing at the moment? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I, um, I, in total, I'm not on it anymore, but in total, I was on the contraceptive pill for eight years and the last maybe three years, my skin just started having like random, it was like once a month I'd have like this huge cystic breakout on my chin, which one breakout is not really like, you know, something to cry about, but I always had really good skin like through so my teenage rare. years and I, yeah, I didn't have like teenage acne or anything like that. And this, these breakouts, like I would get one and it would be really cystic and deep and then it would take me a whole month to get rid of it. And then once it disappeared a week later, I would get another one and it just was so recurrent and it was just driving me up the wall. And I um went to the doctors and then they would switch up my pills and put me on different ones to try and switching up the pills would help for a little bit and then it would only make it worse because mm-hmm. like, you know, it was just changing the levels of the hormones and whatnot. So then eventually I was put on antibiotics for my skin. Um, and I knew the science of antibiotics and how mm-hmm. it's like creates bacterial resistance and it's not great for long-term use. Um, they definitely have their place for like short-term use and, you know, saving lives and whatnot. Of course. Um, but I just, yeah, I had the doctor was basically just like, well, if it's, working for you and you know it's helping your skin even if you are getting the occasional breakout here and there like if it's do if it's helping for the better then like you might as well just stay on it so I was on antibiotics for like a year and a half and I was just like I can't be on them for the rest of my life like what do you expect um so yeah I tried to get off antibiotics and then I tried to like work my way off the pill and it just was like a big mess because even eventually like the antibiotics stopped working and then it was like coming back even more fierce and um yeah eventually I ended up getting like severe cystic acne where I was on antibiotics and the pill but my face was still just like everything was coming out and it didn't matter what I did it was just like you've been suppressing us for too long you've been playing with your hormones you've been like affecting your gut health and my body's just like you know, we're not going to go down without a fight now. So I um, really struggled with that. Like it was hectic, especially because I was a a high school teacher at the time. So it was like I had worse skin than most of my teenage students. Yeah. And that like, I guess that plays on kind of like your self-confidence, you know, and your self-image. It's like, how did you kind of work through your like self-confidence and self-image with, you know, bad skin? Oh, it was so tough. Like I would go to work and I would wear like three layers of makeup. Like I knew that it didn't look great, but it was like the better alternative Mm -hmm. to not wearing three layers of makeup. Um, And then I would come home and I would literally just, you know, take all the makeup off straight away because it wasn't just the look, but it was like painful and itchy and it was just so uncomfortable. And then I pretty much just hop into bed, watch Netflix, not want to do anything, not want to move, not want to see anyone or socialize um, to the point where like one time I even got dad to do my grocery shopping for me because I was like, I don't want to go to Woolworths. Like I just don't want to see people. Um, So yeah, it got definitely got pretty bad, but um, 
yeah, I'm glad that that's like all behind me now. Absolutely. Well, I actually had, I have a bit of a story to tell of my own about um contracept like the contraceptive pill. I um I haven't been on the pill for five years now, but I was like from I think I was seventeen from going on the pill from seventeen until yeah twenty one. Um, I like the pill had never really affected me to be honest. Like, and and I'm sure we're going to talk about this a little bit more, but like that was just the thing to do, right? Like the only form of contraception besides from a condom is that you go on the pill. That was, that was the only thing that was offered to me anyway. Um, and I know like so many yep. girls our age was kind of, like, were kind of just offered the, the same thing. Um, and yeah, it wasn't until like just before I, I got off the pill, I um, went to the pharmacy and put in my script for my pill and everything was like fine. They were like, do you want the generic brand? I was like, yep, that'll be perfect. And um, yeah, when they got it back, I I got like a different color pill packet than what it was like I was used to, but I was like, oh, well, it was a different pharmacy. It's probably just the generic brand, no stress. So I I started taking the um, pill, I think, because you get like four months worth in in a box, I think. So I think I was Mm. on my third month. And um, my ex at the time was just like, you are not you, um, like really erratic, really crazy, really like what some would call psycho, like just just couldn't control my emotions. Like I just could not. And like, I remember crying to my mom and I'm just like, I just don't like, I don't know who I am. I like had a full breakdown and I was like, I just don't think I'm like, okay. And she was like, look, has anything changed in your, you know, in your world lately? Because I was like, like growing up at like 21, you're like, surely I'm just kind of like changing. So I was like, oh, fuck, I don't even know what it actually is. So I was Especially because like, like the pill, you wouldn't have even thought that the pill changed necessarily because exactly. you've been on like what you thought was the same pill for, you know, years and years and years now. So you're like, it must just be me. I must just be depressed. I, exactly. I must be depressed. I must just be psycho. Like, you know, and I like, I just didn't know what was wrong with me. So I went to the doctor. For some reason, I did take my pill. Like, I think my mum was like, oh, well, just take it. Like, I think I'd kind of been, like, clued on to the fact that it was different. Like, maybe it's just different. Anyway, I go to um, my doctor and I was, like, explaining everything that was happening. And, and I was like, look, I brought my pill in. I don't know. Is this is this something that's relevant? And he was, like, kind of did his investigation and he was like, um, why, why do you have this? And I was like, oh what do you mean? I just got given it from the pharmacist. And he was like, this pill is the um, equivalent of you going through menopause. And like, I was like, what? And he was just like, I don't know. They obviously have like fucked your actual prescription up because this is the prescription I gave you. This is the packet that they've given you. And so it was, I think my estrogen, is it that your estrogen is super low when you go through menopause? I think so. Yeah. 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 So um, my estrogen was so low and I was experiencing menopause symptoms, um, you know, these in and outs of like mood, angry, emotional, upset. And, and like from then I was just like, I I can't do this. Like I actually just do not want to be on that pill for one minute longer. It was so bad. So I haven't been on, um, yeah, the contraceptive pill for, for five years now. And honestly, like for me personally, it's, been the best thing that I've ever done Mm, and how long did it take for you to see a change in your mood to like come back to what it was or I 
think once you stop taking it. Yeah, I think it was two to three months, like before I actually started seeing a, a nice change. You know, like I feel because my skin used to be like I also had really good skin. Um, growing up, I never had any issues. And although I definitely wouldn't say I had acne, um, there was a lot going on in my face. It just felt like I was constantly picking. It kind of looked like, um, you know, that I had scabs on my face because I was just like, I was so irritated that they were there. So I would pick and it would just be horrible. Um, And yeah, I think three months after I got off the pill, I was like, okay, things are starting to change. And like now my skin you know, I'll have the occasional breakout, like, and I'm talking like one pimple maybe during my, just before my period and that's it. So I like really notice if my skin's flaring up or, you know, there's a couple more than, than one pimple on my face. I'm like, Oh, what's, what's happening? Check my diet, check my, you know, my stress, check all of these things. I'm like, Oh, okay. That's probably it. Yeah. hundred percent. It's like, once you have the education around it, it makes so much sense and you can give yourself that little audit and go, I understand exactly why. And I think the hardest thing when people are struggling and in the middle of like the severe acne is that the hardest thing is you don't know why it's happening mm-hmm. and you're just so confused. Like even with the the mood swings that you experienced, it's like, what is going on? Why is it happening? And once you do know why, even though like the breakouts don't go away immediately, no. just knowing why just helps you give yourself a little bit more self-compassion or feel like you do have a bit more control. Mm. Agreed. What do you find is the biggest, um, what do you find the biggest thing is for skin? Like what's the biggest reactor as in like what causes people to have breakouts? Yeah. Um, so there's three things that contribute to all acne. And so there's inflammation, there's the P acne bacteria, and then there's the sebum, which is like the oil on our skin. Mm -hmm. And you know, we have little bits of all of this, you know, like even people without acne have the P acne bacteria on their skin. Um, We all have a little bit of sebum. Sebum is helpful because it really helps us hydrate our skin and can be a protective barrier. Um, And inflammation, especially these days with like lots of environmental like toxins and stress, it's very unlikely for someone to have no inflammation. But with um, acne, it's kind of when they are all just at really high levels. And so there's like a couple of things that can cause excess sebum. So like that excess oil, um, people with like oil prone skin are those more likely to have the acne prone skin Mm. because it's trapping those bacteria into the pores, into the hair follicle, it's trapping any dirt. And it's basically just um, like that acne is caused when those pores are blocked, um, which is you know, likely from that excess sebum blocking it with all of those other things. Mm. So that's kind of like the the science behind acne. But in terms of like what can increase your inflammation and what can increase your sebum, um, it's there's like so many different factors. And that's why there's a lot of root causes behind breakouts is that it could be a combination of things. It could be your diet. It could be your stress. It could be your gut health. It could be your hormones. Like there's just so many things that contribute, but I think um, hormones is definitely one of the most common ones. Um, yeah, especially testosterone. Okay. And so speaking of hormones, like, I guess, where do we even start really? Cause there's so much to cover, but basically what, um, what hormones do women specifically have in their body? And um, tell me a little bit, I guess, about what you know about each one. I mean, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> um 
I I feel like whenever I get asked this question, being like a teacher at heart, I'm like, right, where's my whiteboard? Like, I need to draw a diagram. <laughs> um, so well, let me try and like, rattle feel this off on, in podcast form. <laughs> um, but I think like something that a lot of people may not necessarily know if they don't have a lot of education around this is that women have testosterone too. Like testosterone is definitely like higher in males um, and it is known as like, you know, the male hormone, but women still need it for like the um, formation of healthy bones and muscles and for growth. Um, Yeah. So obviously like estrogen and progesterone are probably our main ones. Um, And when you see like a graph of the menstrual cycle, they're um, the ones that are, you know, produced by the ovaries and fluctuating around the different times of the cycle. Um, There's also other like, there's so many hormones that contribute to um, the functioning of our bodies, but um, like estrogen and progesterone are so, so important. And so what happens when in order to produce, um, so we start producing estrogen when we're not, we're on our period. um, And then we don't start producing progesterone until we've ovulated. So, that means that if we're on the contraceptive pill and we, you know, we don't ovulate because we're given a set amount of hormones um, every day and we're not seeing that fluctuation like we're supposed to, then it can mean that our bodies don't end up producing that progesterone, which is really important for like cardiovascular health and like cholesterol levels, like so many things. Um, And the progesterone is actually like the pregnancy hormone. So when you're pregnant, your progesterone will, you know, peak and then it will stay high. Whereas if you've ovulated and then you're not pregnant, your progesterone will peak because it will try and maintain your uterine lining and your like your wall to nestle in that egg and give it all the nutrients. But then your body will go, oh, no, we're not pregnant this month. No fertilization has occurred. And then all of your hormones will drop down. That's when you'll get your period and then they'll start, the estrogen will start again. So the whole idea with like, the hormones on the contraceptive pill, when you get your period on the contraceptive pill, it's not really a real period because it's not, um, you know, as a result of like no fertilization of your egg because there was no release of the eggs. So um, what it is, is it's basically just a withdrawal bleed. So you start taking the sugar pills, you have a withdrawal of those hormones. So because those hormones have stopped, your uterine lining sheds. And then when you start taking those hormones again, your body goes, oh, okay, now we've got that baseline of estrogen. So that's kind of like the cycle difference between when you're on the pill and when you're not. Wow, that has actually blown my (laughs) mind. That is something I did not know, which like I guess for me, like if I was on the pill, that would be a little bit concerning for me. And like I also feel like being, you know, I'm about to be 26 and, you know, we start thinking about like babies if we don't have them and, you know, eventually we want to have children or some of us want to have children and like, you know, I guess it's scary to think like is the contraceptive pill affecting that? Like what do you, what are your like kind of ideas on that? Yeah, yeah, it definitely can play with your fertility. It can play with like the balance of your hormones. I I wouldn't like want to worry girls and say, you know, if you've been on the contraceptive pill, you need to now worry about not being able to get pregnant. Like I wouldn't go that far, Um, but it just may take a little while for your hormones to get into its rhythm again. So um, a lot of like, as a disclaimer, the pill is really easy form of contraception. It doesn't take much to think about, you know, like if you've got it in your makeup bag, you take it every day once you're doing your makeup. Mm -hmm. It is with perfect juice, really quite effective. So I'm not, 
if that's the way that women want to go and they have all the education around what it's doing to their bodies and they choose to still use the pill anyway, then I'm pro-choice. Like yeah, 100% then, right. you do what you'd like to do. Mm-hmm. But I think what really upsets me is that there's girls who are just getting their period at like 13 or 14 and they go to the doctor with irregular periods and the doctor puts them on the contraceptive pill for irregular periods or for acne. And I'm like, um, you just got your first period. Of yeah. course, your periods are irregular. Your body hasn't balanced itself out yet. It's figuring everything out. So it's like, it's like nearly a band-aid just, as well. Sometimes, you know, it's like, let's not think about why this is happening. Let's just have this um, option. And there you go. Yeah. It's kind of like, it's, it's, it's working for you now, but like, is this going to work forever? Maybe not, you know? Yeah. Well, in terms of fertility as well, like say that you went on the the pill at 15 and then you want to go off the pill at 25 to have kids. The pill basically just stops your own body's production of hormones. Mm-hmm. Um, not all hormones, obviously, because we have hormones for everything, but um, for those particular hormones. So if you're going off the pill at 25, your body basically goes back to what it knew as a 15-year-old. So if you were just going through puberty and if you're going on the pill before you've even finished puberty, then of course your body is going to take a while to get like its period back. Of Mm -hmm. course it's going to have to figure itself out and work out how to balance your hormones in its like harmony because it never got given the opportunity to work that out for itself. And I think like a lot of people they stress and they try and take control and they try and like fix everything. But your body is naturally designed to heal. It's naturally designed to, you know, have that it's called homeostasis. Mm -hmm. If anyone wants to look it up, like to have that balance. And so by just jumping in and, you know, feeding it with those synthetic hormones, you're not allowing the body to do that. No, it's, um, it's definitely something that like by doing your own research and by, um, you know, uh, making sure that that research is trustworthy as well, like because there's so much information around. Like, what what do you normally what direction do you normally point people in if they do want to learn more about that sort of stuff? Because again, there's just so much around. Like, where do you normally where do you normally go? Like, what where do women research for themselves? Yeah, yeah, I think it's definitely like I mean, there are a lot of trustworthy sources out there, but like you said, there's a lot that are just like they'll tell you to, you know, fix your hormones or fix your acne with some absurd, you know, product Mm -hmm. perhaps or supplement. And they just wanted, everyone wants that quick fix. Um, Or they say like, you know, eat, eat more chia seeds and everything will be fine. It's like you have to really understand like the holistic approach and how every little part is playing. So um, yeah, I mean, I would steer clear of Google. I would um, tell people to really look at the science and really look at the evidence um, of what's going on. They can read a textbook if they'd like, um, but I have, yeah, created my ebook to really put all of that science into general terms so that girls and women can understand it um, without having to, one, have access to the, that science and to actually yeah. understand it and decipher it. So yeah. that's kind of why I created that. Um, and I, I really love explaining things like getting really complex um topics and explaining them into really under- easy to understand ways so um I mean that's just the teacher inside but me, I so feel that's like, what I've really tried to do yeah I feel like the everyday girl doesn't want to 
read scientific articles. I know I certainly Absolutely don't. Absolutely not. <laughs> so like that's epic that you made your own ebook and it's it's easily able to be understood. And, you know, that's exactly it. When we have so much information about uh, a certain topic, it's like, well, what's, you know, what's right, what's wrong, what's this, what's that? And it's like if there is something that we can all kind of go to and have a little read of, it's like, you know, if it's easy to understand, it will kind of – compute in our brains and then we can like use that information and go off in our own world and and um you know research it even a little bit more or or try out you know um something that you're suggesting and and find out for ourselves but I find yeah there there is so much on you know on women's health and hormones that it can sometimes be overwhelming um what do you find is the most common like health issue in women's like let's say women's health yeah, um, in terms of condition, I would say PCOS is definitely coming up a lot more. I think that it's gone un- undiagnosed for so, so long. So long. Um, also, endometriosis is definitely um, undiagnosed for a lot of women. It's definitely becoming more well-known in women and knowing the signs now to go and get checked for it. Um, the The only problem is that to actually get diagnosed with um, endo, you actually have to have that invasive um, surgery to really see what's going on. Whereas with PCOS, um, there is that like criteria where you don't, it's not necessarily as invasive. You still need to have an ultrasound, like a pelvic ultrasound. Mm-hmm. So they do need to go inside, but like ultrasounds, you're awake. They're not cutting you open or anything yeah. like that. So, yeah. Do you mind yeah, explaining think- to the girls like what PCOS and endometriosis is? Because I feel like this is something yeah. that I really want to get into. Yeah, of course. So um, PCOS is polycystic ovarian syndrome. And basically it's when you have multiple cysts growing on your ovaries. Um, It is the criteria to be classified for PCOS is there's there's three things. So you need to have elevated androgens, which just means like high testosterone levels. This can actually be, um, uh, what is it, diagnosed in the way of symptoms, you can look and say, okay, do they have irregular hair growth, like lots of hair, um, excess hair growth or hair loss or um, acne, that kind of thing. Um, Or it can be diagnosed in the way of like blood tests and actually like getting that data there. Mm -hmm. Um, Then you've also got irregular periods. um, So like, or no period at all. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you've got cysts on the ovaries, which can be diagnosed and seen through an ultrasound. But in order to be diagnosed with PCOS, you need to have at least two of those three. So you can have all three, but you need to have at least two. Um, And because PCOS is a syndrome, it can look different for everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, So people can have, you know, hair loss or they can have excess hair growth. Um, Some people may have the cysts on their ovaries and the high testosterone, but then they can regulate their periods. Um, But also if your period is regular, you may not necessarily be ovulating. So you really need to be ovulating as well. Um, So it can be, it can look very different for a lot of people. Um, It also is reversible. So if you, you know, reverse those three things um, or those two things, then you technically don't qualify for PCOS anymore, which is what I was fortunately able to do with like all of the information that I was, I found Mm. is that I was diagnosed with PCOS in February, 2020. Um, and now I don't actually fit the criteria for PCOS because it's, I've been able to, 
yeah, like, you know, restore that ovulation and those regular periods and, um, you know, address all of that. So um, that's PCOS. Endo is a lot more severe, a lot more serious. Yeah. Um, and that is when the endometrium lining, um, so like the, yeah, you, the lining of the uterus grows outside of the uterus. And so it can grow in the ovaries and the fallopian tubes. It can even grow in places other than your reproductive system, um, which can be, you know, really quite dangerous depending on where it is. It can be really quite painful, really uncomfortable. Um, And it also means that like when your period comes, it just like makes shedding like a whole different ballpark. Um, And so endo can actually be quite painful and to my knowledge at the moment I'm definitely I have like friends and family who have endo and so it's something that I would love to do more research on and come up with a solution for them because at the moment there doesn't seem to be um, like a a cure as Mm. such Um, obviously there's ways to manage it like naturally as well Um, but then there's also some women the pain is so debilitating um, that they do need to go on, on the pill just to function. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if, if those prescriptions are used as like a lifeline, um, then that's fine. Like yeah, go prescriptions it. are incredible technology and we are very lucky to have them. Um, but I would never recommend someone to just, you know, use the pill to mask the pain, but not also look at their diet and their stress levels and the whole holistic approach. Like don't just rely on, a little pill to do all of the work. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like watch this space because endo is definitely something that I, I mean, there just needs to be more research out there Absolutely. for it in general. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely very motivated to do that for family and friends and yeah. just my audience as yeah, well. Yeah. I feel like we know everyone, every single one of us either, um, know someone that like has endometriosis, um, or, you know, maybe you are experiencing endometriosis and like, yeah, I think, I think it's becoming definitely more spoken about, which is amazing, but like, you know, this didn't just pop up like this endometriosis and PCOS has been around for, you know, longer than we can imagine, but it's just that, you know, now we are talking about it and now we're getting diagnosed, you know, with it and we're able to kind of come up with something to help us get through like our periods. Like we, you know, um, normal cycles, we get one period a month, you know, and that's every single month. And like the more you understand the way, I guess, that your hormones and that your body works every single month, like the more appreciation I just have for my body. I'm like, you are working so hard every single day to, um, you know, I guess we're reproductors, like that's what females are. So we're, our body's just trying every single month to try and reproduce. So like, it's just like absolutely incredible what our body actually can do for us, right? A hundred percent. And when you actually embrace it and say, this is natural, like my body is incredible. You can really start taking advantage of it too, because there are different times in your cycle. Like, I don't know if you've heard of cycle syncing, but there are like, it's valid for you to feel different things during your cycle and to be Mm. in different moods. And one week you might want to go out and achieve all the things and meet all the people. And then one week you're just, you might be like, don't talk to me. And that's totally normal, totally natural. 
um, because it is, it's just that biological need to reproduce and make babies. When we are fertile, we're more likely to go out and be like this energetic, bubbly self. Even mm. if we are introverted, we are, um, we're even, we have a higher sex drive um, naturally when we are more fertile because our body's just like, we need we're baby. making babies. Yeah. Yeah. Even if we don't want to make no, babies, our yeah. body's just like, go out and have that sex. We want to make babies. <laughs> <laughs> do the deed please because we want a baby inside of us so um yeah for like women with period issues what is their first point of call like what would you if they had an irregular period what would you kind of help someone with like or how would you help them sorry um, yeah, so what I would do is I would look at the person holistically. So we would assess their diet, but we wouldn't just assess their diet. Um, we would also look at their stress, um, and stress is a big topic <laughs> because a lot of people underestimate their stress. Um, and it's not just like stress is also very much a a perceivable thing as well. For example, one person might get a bill in the mail and they might just get so overwhelmed and super stressed about how they're going to pay it. But then another person might get like the exact same bill in the mail and they're like, yeah, okay, like it's fine. Don't even have a second thought about it. Um, So different things can elicit, you know, the different stress response in our body. Um, And then we also look at like gut health. Um, They also may be on like supplements that are not really worth it, productive, contributing to what they need and their deficiencies. It might just be like the latest supplement that they've seen on Google or, um, yeah, there's, I've seen some really strange suggestions out there. There's been um, some crazy so, yeah, ones. We just look, mm, what were you going to say? Sorry. <laughs> no, that was like what I actually have a question. Supplement wise, what do you recommend any supplements for women to take? Like, what do you think about collagen? What do you think about like vitamin B12? I think it is like what, what supplements do you like kind of recommend ever if you do? I 100% recommend them based on the individual, based on what they need. I don't think that there's like a, a one size fits all. Um, yeah, in terms of collagen, definitely our collagen production naturally reduces as we age. Um, so that's why we are more likely to get wrinkles as we get older because it's just that strength. Like collagen is basically like the elasticity of yeah. your skin and those fibers there that are holding it all tight and nice and plump looking. So, um, yeah, I mean, it does make sense that the collagen production does reduce. And so it can help by getting like that collagen in, in supplementation form. Um, but I don't think people need to like go crazy with it. Mm. Um, in terms of like B12 or like any of those ones, the contraceptive pill does commonly deplete a lot of common nutrients. So it does deplete magnesium, B vitamins, zinc, and many others. So there can be a lot of similarities between what people need. But at the end of the day, I would need to have a look at their history, have a look at, you know, what prescriptions they've been taking, what pills they've been taking, what antibiotics they've been taking, um, just their general lifestyle. It would also be super helpful for the person to actually get their bloods done so we can see what they're low in um, and look at how we can get them through food and lifestyle first before relying on supplementation, Um, not just for like there's so many reasons why that's better. Like one, it's in a more natural state to get it through food. So it's usually more like bioavailable as well, Mm -hmm. but two, I mean, two, it's cheaper, but you know, it's just, yeah, it's just so much better to be getting it through your food. I understand though that sometimes with 
our diets these days and, you know, access to different fruits and vegetables and just whatever. There's so many like, reasons why people don't get that and mm-hmm. therefore they can take supplementation. Um, but even like vitamin D, like you just have to go outside for 15 minutes and that's enough to get your vitamin D. So, yeah. yeah. It's important as well. I've definitely been trying to smash out literally like 20 minutes in the sun um, and it puts you in a better mood anyway. Like not only is it great for our body, like for your soul, (laughs) you're happier, you know, when you do get some sun on your skin. So like definitely agree with that vitamin D. I have a question about nutrition. Like what are in your eyes the most important bits that we should be getting into our body nutritionally? Yeah, I think that um, for like if people are counting macros, then they may have like very specific like weight lifting goals and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And if they're doing that and they're doing it at that level, then they're likely to have a coach who can take them through that safely. Um, I don't recommend people just on their own accord to just start, you know, fixating over macros and restricting Mm -hmm. their foods and going on all sorts of different diets because the coaches that do that they know what they're they're doing um it's so easy to get to have a bad relationship with food and to point particular macronutrients like proteins fats or carbs and pin one as the enemy or as the bad guy we need every single one of those we need proteins we need fats we need carbs um so it's just about getting the right sources of those because there, yeah, there's just so many instances where if we do under eat and we're not nourishing our body with like the fats that it needs for a healthy menstrual cycle or the carbohydrates it needs and we're depleting ourselves, our bodies can actually go into that survival mode again. Mm-hmm. Um, and they can, it can be contradictory. They can go into storage mode because they think that you're about to go into hibernation because you're not getting enough nutrients. So it's a bit ironic that sometimes when people deprive themselves of like calories and carbs, they they can actually end up holding on to more weight. Yeah. I definitely talk to a lot of my clients about that. Um, you know, not uh, not necessarily my clients because they're all quite educated um, now, but like new people that I might speak to on Instagram or, um, you know, they might have a question about like, I'm on 1200 calories. Why am I not seeing any more fat loss? It's like, well, <laughs> because your body is freaking out. Like your body is, is holding on to, um, you know, your body fat because it's thinking it's never going to get fed again, or it doesn't know when it's going to get fed again. So it, you know, it's, and our body, like the more we talk about it, the more our body is so smart, like smarter than our brain, you know, because, or smarter than our thoughts, because we try and, and tell our, um, you know, if we do hit 1200 calories for an extended period of time, we find that like our body is smarter than what, like what we want. And our body doesn't care. Your body does not care if you want to be a um, Victoria's Secret supermodel. Like your body doesn't care. Your body's main role is to keep you alive, right? So it's like- 100%. You've got to really like appreciate that. And you've got to fuel your body with the right foods um, that is going to help in like so many other things other than just aesthetics, you know, like energy, um, libido, like there's so much that I guess food plays such a huge role in, right? Like for those other like epic moods that we have. Well, food pretty much plays a role in our whole existence, every single one of our cells. Like um, if anyone has done biology in high school or whatever, and they've learned about like the DNA um, and like protein synthesis and how 
things in our cells are actually made, it's reading the DNA and the DNA of our bodies codes for our different cells and, you know, our genetic makeup. It's like that in order to make those proteins, you need amino acids. And so in order to get those amino acids to make the proteins that make up all of your cells, we need to consume proteins so that we break them down into the basic amino acids so that we can then, I I refer to them as building blocks, you know, like we need to eat the Lego house so that we can pull it apart, get all the building blocks and then use those building blocks to make our own cells and things. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's just like food is literally the foundation of our existence. Do you follow like the 80-20 rule, like 80% good whole foods um, and 20% kind of like processed foods? Is that kind of how you go or? I mean, yeah, I guess if you like put it into numbers, I just genuinely use intuitive eating. And I know that that term gets thrown around so much and it's like, what the hell even is that? Like my intuition's telling me to eat this like chocolate. (laughs) Um, but basically intuitive eating is not so much about like, listen to your intuition. It's like, listen to your body and what feels good. Like if you eat this banana afterwards, do you feel full of energy and, you know, satisfied or do you feel groggy and tired? Mm -hmm. If you feel groggy and tired, then maybe that wasn't the best choice for you. Same with like, you know, ice cream or like McDonald's or something. Yeah. Yeah, McDonald's, hundred percent. Like you might think, like, yes, I I feel like this. This is going to be great. Intuitive eating is more so about thinking, listening to how your body feels after you've ate the thing, so that you can remember that for next time you're about to yes. eat the thing. It's not really about what you intuitively want to do before you eat the thing. <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Because so like I just, find our yeah. mind like our mind plays tricks on us, right? And like, especially 100%. if anyone has ever done like a dieting um, phase, they will know that like you know, when, when they smell a hot brownie coming out of the oven, your mind, it's like, you know, you just see red. You're just like, that smells every, like, I need that everything in my life. And then you end up eating it and you're like, I actually feel like absolute shit. Like my mind kind of played those tricks on me in order for me to like eat it, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Well, the tricks that it's playing on you is that our mind, like our body needs sugar in order to get its energy. Right. But what we sugar can be used as like a biological term to literally refer to like the chemical like things that we use Mm -hmm. to produce energy or it can be used as like sugar as in like the white processed sugar so when we eat carbohydrates like even if we eat um like whole grains we still break them down into glucose which is a biological sugar and so that is what we need to you know fuel all of our functioning in our bodies from the creation of individual parts of our cells right through to like using our muscles and talking and breathing. Mm. Um, So when we smell and also like our body just, you know, wants as much sugar as it can to do those, those things. So if we smell a brownie, our, our brain is like, there's a quick fix of sugar and you're more likely to eat that brownie if you're hungry because your body is just like, get me energy now. Whereas if you, eat something that is more sustainable and you do have those whole grains, they don't spike your blood sugar levels as rapidly, you know, and because when you do eat those white processed sugars and simple sugars, they spike your your blood sugar levels so high and then you have that crash and it's not sustainable over a long amount of time. Whereas if you actually nourish your body with, you know, the, the whole grains and the, the right carbohydrates, 
then it sustains your energies long-term and you're less likely to give into any quick rush of sugar because your body isn't deprived of it. And I think with that 80-20 rule, if just in general, if you tell your brain you're not allowed something, it's going to want it. Exactly. So it's not about like being super strict and having all of these rules. It's about like, if I want to eat that brownie, go like, eat the brownie. It's fine. Mm. Yeah. Don't like have this super restrict- restrictive attitude about it, but also just genuinely want to support your body and love your body and nourish it and eat to feel good. And when that is your motivation, it's so much easier to eat good food than to just, you know, eat whatever there is because you will eventually feel like this, I feel gross, I feel groggy. Um, And sometimes we do need one bad meal, you know, a week or a month to remind ourselves that, oh, yeah, no, I don't want to be doing this every day. And, like, eventually we might be doing that every week, having that reminder, and then it might slow down and then we might only need that reminder every once a month. And then we're like, yep, no, this is why I eat healthy. Do you know what this reminds me of is like, (laughs) of course, this is what it reminds me of, but like being hungover, right? (laughs) Like when you are hungover, you remind yourself, you're like, fuck, this was the worst idea. Like, and then (laughs) you kind of like, it's like on Friday, Friday comes and you're like, yes, I can have a couple of drinks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you have a couple of drinks and you're like hungover again, but like it prolongs even longer because you're just like, I can't do this anymore. Like, and it's kind of the exact same thing, you know, and we've all been there where we have had a restrictive diet. Like we've all been there and we've like, yeah, where has that gotten us? And that's what I talk to my um, girls a lot. I'm like, has this gotten you further in like, you know, um, like maybe in fat loss, but like when we kind of talk about the grand scheme, like where are you at in, in body fat at the moment? Not that it fucking matters, but like, they're like, oh, well now my body fat's back to, you know, or like my body fat's higher than what it was when I was on 1200 calories. And it's like, well, that's actually okay. You know, it's like normalizing that, you know, when you do go into a bit of a diet phase, um, you know, that it's, it's okay to, to have that diet phase, but also like you need to come out of that again. You can't stay low cows forever. Yeah. hundred percent. And majority of people, when they diet, they will gain it all back anyway. So that's why I just like say, just skip that step, like just make it sustainable long-term because mm-hmm. if you are depriving yourself, like it's just not, not going to last. And like you said, we have all been there. I have definitely, when I oh, yeah, first moved out of high school and I was like, yeah, let's get healthy. I've definitely been like through the deprivation stage and I'm not going to lie. It works. Yeah. hundred percent. I, I found abs like awesome. Yeah. Is that sustainable? Absolutely not. Did my friends all tell me that I was a grump to be around? Yeah, they did. Exactly. Even if I couldn't tell in the time. So it's like, and you got to weigh up, I guess. Exactly. You do have to weigh up, you know, like if you were going to a, um, you know, bikini competition, of course, then you have like, that's a sport. And then you have to kind of be over there and, um, you do have to diet down. But like, if you are trying to change your lifestyle, well, like, you know, that's probably not, there's so many other things that I guess are going to come into play with with you actually changing your whole lifestyle around than just you dieting. Like there's so many other factors that you need yeah. to start changing in your life that are not just your diet. And if you want abs, like you can go out and get them, but do it the right way. Do it sustainably. Like do it, exercise because you genuinely love it and you want to move your body. Don't do it as a punishment. And like you don't, if you don't need to deprive yourself of food either. You just need to eat the right foods for it. Like, yeah, I just think that sometimes 
people, they see the outcome, but they don't necessarily know the path, which is why like it is so, so important to invest in education and like coaches like you and I, because we, we have been there. We know what doesn't work. We've had the education to then know what to do instead. And it like the results speak for themselves, like being able to get people there and follow that path using the right strategies rather than what everyone just thinks when they leave high school is the answer because often it's not and we've all been there no absolutely what are some what is some of your best tips for women that they can do like pretty much as soon as they've finished listening to this podcast to better their health like what are some quick tips that you have for those girls um I just think to maybe have a little journal session write down what it is that you want and really get deep, you know, ask yourself, do that why game. So if it's like, I want abs. Okay. Why do you want abs? I want abs to feel confident in my body. Okay. Well, why do you want to feel confident in your body so that I can go to the beach? Like, and just keep on doing that and see what it really stems down to. And if it is like external validation and all of that, like really shine a mirror on that and have a look and try and motivate yourself internally. Like, if you want to feel confident for you, then that is that should be like your main motivator. And how can how else can you achieve that? You can also achieve confidence while also working towards being proud of your body and yeah. whatnot. You can also achieve confidence through just the way that you show up, your personality, how like open you are to like being friendly to people, just like your energy. Um, and yeah, just have a strong why and a very um, wholesome why to everything that you do. Like even if you want to have a good morning routine, Mm. don't just bloody meditate because you've seen it on Instagram and it looks cool. Like if you want to meditate, do it because it's genuinely going to help you with your mental clarity and help you reduce procrastination throughout the day and help reduce self-doubt throughout the day so that you can, you know, stay on your mission, what you want to achieve. Like anything that you want to implement in your life, you, you need to get around the mindset behind it because otherwise it's just not going to be sustainable. Like there is absolutely no point implementing any tips or tricks without like genuinely wanting. having a good intention behind them. Yeah. And like actually wanting it. Mm. That's amazing. Um, okay. Well, I do, we do have um, some time for our sweaty crew cues. Now these questions I have been asked for from my Instagram um, account and they have some questions for you. Um, so one of the first questions is, um, what, oh, I came off the pill one year ago and haven't had a period since. How do I get it back? So your body, I actually have a post, um, going up on Instagram of this tonight. Your body, stay tuned. (laughs) Yeah. Um, your body will not get its period back will not ovulate if it doesn't feel like it is safe to do so or if you're not in optimum health because basically in order to ovulate like you're releasing one of your eggs and women are born with all of the eggs that they're going to have for life so why waste the energy trying to you know brew up one of those eggs and release it and waste it when it doesn't feel like your environment is you know stable enough or it doesn't feel like you are healthy enough so if you haven't gotten your period back it means that you need to look within you need to do that assessment of your diet of your your stress and stress can be 
like like I said, so many things. It, I mean, obviously we have the pandemic going at the moment. Yeah. So like, hello, there's stress right there. Yeah. But stress can be anything. Like an, it can even be like a friendship where a person is not making you feel, you know, amazing or the best and they're kind of making you doubt yourself or just like different relationships. It can just be the things that if you're watching a show, like even if you're watching a horror show or like whatever, a horror TV show before you go to sleep each night, you're like spiking your cortisol levels before you're expecting yourself to then sleep. Like cortisol stress is basically how high your cortisol levels are and whether they can regulate themselves. So that is stress isn't like in your head. Stress is actually chemical. So I think as well as all the other things that we spoke about, like gut health and whatnot, there's a lot of things that you need to assess before you can expect your body to be like, okay, it's safe to ovulate and have a period now. Mm. Wow. That was, that was amazing. Thank you so much for saying that because, um, yeah, I feel like that definitely doesn't get spoken about. It's like, have a look within everything else. That's not just period related, you know, and work on that. And that's what you were saying. Like from your experience, you were like, right, I need to knuckle down and I need to work on what else is going on in my body. That is obviously telling me that I need to, to do something, you know? Yeah. There's always a root cause for sure. Mm. Um, the next question is, is period pain normal? So period, like cramping is normal because basically in order to shed the lining, our muscles need to spasm, you know, our, our lining basically needs to, um, or sorry, our uterus needs to shed this lining. So it needs to get the, the lining off somehow. So that's what the muscle spasms are for. Is it meant to be painful? No, it's not. Um, now, if you experience like mild pain, like sometimes you're just like, oh, that's like not fun, then there's you can obviously do things about it. There's like even just taking magnesium can really help because that's a muscle relaxant. But if you are in like excruciating pain to the point where you need to, you know, take days off work and a lot of women go, oh, it's just period pain, it's normal. I would beg you to go to a doctor and just look into possibly endometriosis. Pain is one of those really hard things to rate on a scale because some people have really high pain thresholds. Some people have really low pain thresholds. So it's really hard to be like, if you're experiencing this level of pain, it's likely endo, but just be intuitive. And if you think like, why do I experience so much more pain than everybody else? Yeah. Go get it checked. I'm definitely very lucky. Um, I like hardly have any, like I have very regular periods. I um, don't normally like see myself having too, too much, too many cramps. You know, it's a couple here and there like day one of period, but that's really it. And like, I'm definitely yeah. one of the select few because there are so many women who do experience worse periods. Um, it's just horrible. Women are fucking awesome. Like women are actually <laughs> fucking epic. I'm like, every single time I talk about women's bodies, I'm like, I just like get proud. I'm like, I am so proud to be a woman because you know, the shit we have to go through every single month. I just don't think, um, you know, certain or some males actually understand like this is fucking wild. Some women don't even understand what's going on. No, true. But like, and, and I don't even like, I cannot even understand some people's period pains because I've never, ever experienced that in my life. And so I can just only empathize with someone who like, you know, because there is so much education now um, or it's coming more to light that, you know, this is like immense pain and, and, you know, you can then empathize with others, but I genuinely don't even, you know, I don't even know the feelings that some poor women feel during their period. So you girls are bosses. Well, some people 
Yeah. Some people don't even realize that they have endo or PCOS or other things until they go off the contraceptive pill. So like they may have been on it since they were 15 or whatnot. Maybe they went on it for painful periods when they were younger. And when they come off it now, like I've had a friend who came off the pill and then just realized like, holy shit, I'm one of those people. Like it's really, really painful periods to the point where it was like, this isn't normal when got it checked. And yeah, it was endo. Whereas like so many people wouldn't know that. Um, so yeah, it's just crazy. Well, girls, there you go. If you are experiencing, um, you know, extreme pain, definitely go and get it checked. And there's no harm in checking either. Like you might as well, it could come back as absolutely nothing, um, you know, and that's all well and good, but you'd rather know than not. Yeah, I mean, you can definitely, uh, a lot of women don't want to get the surgery to definitively diagnose endo because it is more invasive, but you can still go and get your bloods done. Um, And if you have like endo, there's like different symptoms, but it may be that you're losing a lot of blood. Um, So yeah, it might just be, no, not that it might just be iron deficiency, but you may also have iron deficiency if you're losing an excess of blood. Like if there's anything that just doesn't seem right in your period, just trust your intuition, go get it checked. There's so many women who are iron deficient. Um, so that's an important one to look into too. Well, I actually, um, my the start of the year, my periods were like getting heavier and heavier. And I kind of was like, oh, this is like a little bit concerning I guess I was like this is something that I've not really experienced before it'd been pretty regular everything and you know it was like four days um to a T that I would have my period that was it um and then yeah my periods got heavier and I went and got tested and I was like on the brink of anemia and like your periods as you are iron deficient your periods get heavier like I don't I don't actually know the science behind it but um you know what like why is it that I guess we have to bleed more, but we are like trying to, we need more blood. Like, you know, it's, it's fucking weird. It's so weird. I don't know that the iron, I mean, I could be wrong. I haven't actually thought about this, but I don't know that the iron deficiency causes the heavier periods. I think that as you, your periods get heavier for other reasons, you become more iron Iron deficient deficient. because iron is in your blood, like iron is the thing that sits on your red blood cells and holds the oxygen. That's also why when you don't have as much iron, you feel fatigued, um, like more tired because you're not holding onto as much oxygen in your red blood cells and oxygen is needed to make energy. Mm. So that's why. It's yeah, like, that it's makes more sense actually. Fatigue. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, okay, another question is what actually is PMS and what are the symptoms and why does it happen? Premenstrual stress um, or syndrome. So PMS, yeah, happens usually before the period and it's they're not necessarily normal. And also it depends on like where your hormone levels are sitting. So if your hormones are not regulated as they should be or optimally, maybe you have too much or too little progesterone, it can cause these PMS symptoms before your period. Um, and that's why it's called premenstrual syndrome because it's like before the, the menstruation. Um, so yeah, it would just be worth having a look at your progesterone levels. And there's definitely like natural um, hormonal supplements or like herbal tonics. Um, I definitely think it would be worth working with a naturopath um, around that. Um, And I soon will be a naturopath and be able to dish out all of those herbal tonics, which is super exciting. Um, But yeah, I just think that it's about the progesterone before the menstrual cycle and then also like how the estrogen 
balances with the progesterone, which most hormonal imbalances for women that I see are around the ratio of estrogen to progesterone. Uh, for someone like who is um, like, what is your advice for someone who does kind of think that they need to go and see, you know, a naturopath? How do they find, how do they find themselves a good naturopath? Like what's something to look out for? That's a really good question. Um, I can just speak from experience of what like I did when I found a naturopath. I know that this is probably a very millennial suggestion or way of going about things, but if you like, you know, Google say Brisbane naturopaths, if you go onto their Instagram page, I mean, I do this when I'm about to go to like anything, a bloody burger restaurant, yeah, like same. let's just like look up their, yeah. their food on Instagram. 100%. <laughs> Instagram these days, I know that it may seem shallow in its social media or whatever, but it's becoming people's portfolios. It's becoming their resumes. And if you find a naturopath, if you have no idea whether she's like good or not, or what she specializes in, how she knows what she's talking about. Cause sometimes you might just land on their website and you see their phone number and you're like, okay, but there's like 10 other naturopaths that also just have their website and their phone number. How do I know that this person is going to be my best choice? I would just say, jump on the Instagram, see what they're talking about. Yeah. Um, how much education are they giving lot, as well? Yeah. Like, mm. Yeah, like if they sound like they know what they're talking about, they're talking about hormones a lot and you want to go to them for hormones, it's like there's your match. Yeah. If they're talking about, you know, IBS a lot, but you don't really like worry about IBS and you want to talk more about hormones, it's not like they can't do it. Like that might be they're trained specialty. in everything. Yeah. yeah, but it's like if they see a particular thing a lot and they educate on that a lot, then specialists are more likely to like, you know, straight away go, oh, it's this, like, I'll just do this because they've worked with a lot of clients who are similar to you and they have developed their treatment plans. Mm -hmm, Definitely. Um, Okay. So I do have a question um, about anxiety. The question is quick fire tips to manage or even identify anxiety. Yes. Okay. So anxiety is very natural. It is our body's response to stress basically. And it's like that survival mode. The thing, the difference between people just being stressed and then people actually having anxiety is that when you have anxiety, your body is like almost stuck in that fight or flight, that fear mode. And it's always worrying about either things that happened in the past, like how is this going to affect me? What are the consequences going to be of this? So it's hap- it's either worrying about things that have already happened, hence you can't change them, mm. or it's worrying about things in the future that could potentially happen, hence you're stressing out about something that hasn't even happened yet. Like it's imaginary. So it's like anxiety is one of those two things. And if you remain in the present, then you're not truly anxious because you can't be anxious about like the present, especially when you're sitting in your bedroom. I mean, if you were getting chased by a lion, then of course you would be anxious about something happening in the present. But it's like that isn't then like you could be anxious in the moment, but that's not the condition of anxiety. Anxiety is when you are in that worry state constantly and you're overthinking everything. Um, And it's just not beneficial. But I think the real key here is that you cannot get through anxiety and manage it by suppressing it, by getting angry at yourself, by saying, I hate these thoughts. The way through anxiety is self-compassion and to really understand why the thoughts are coming up. So I have had anxiety my whole life. Anxiety isn't 
something that you cure it's something that you manage um and a couple of years ago like it was quite bad um but through you know my own personal development through my own like readings and you know seeing a psychologist myself and even through my education I am I minored in psychology in my science degree because the brain is just like so fascinating to me um I was able to develop some really amazing strategies and ways to approach anxiety um, and make friends with it because that is possible when you actually realize that it's your brain and your body looking out for you. It's a friend. It's not an enemy that just is like consuming you then. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely a game changer. So um, yeah, I actually released my anxiety course a couple of days ago. So it's just like a little mini course. Um, it's on spe- um, special on sale at the Ooh, moment. Congrats. Um, yes. So, so tell if me, people tell, go onto yeah, my run, Instagram, there'll be like through, a discount code. Run us through what um, the ebook's like all about. Oh, sorry, your mini course is all about. Yeah, yeah. So it's about really understanding why your thoughts are coming up, what they mean, um, and then just shining a light on them and, you know, like I said, making friends with your anxiety. And then it's also teaching you like tangible strategies that you can walk away from that help you to get away and out from those thoughts. Because when I was really struggling, like I was really, really struggling maybe like three or four years ago to the point where it was so much easier to be asleep than it was to be awake because that was the only time that your thoughts would be quiet. Um, so yeah, it's definitely about like, you know, not facing them in like a terrifying way, but Mm. more so opening up space for those thoughts um, rather than suppressing them. So yeah, it also has um, like a little, has lots of stuff. It has like journaling prompts as well. It also has like a meditation um, library of like my exclusive recommendations and, and whatnot, because I know that there's a lot of apps, a lot of meditations on YouTube and Insight Timer, and there's a lot out there. So this is like me narrowing down the ones worth listening to my favorites so that you don't have to like sift through them all um yeah there's also an affirmations bank as well um just for people to call on um and there's like a little app where you can like shuffle a daily affirmation so it's kind of like affirmation cards but like yes Oh yeah. Well, we're millennials, aren't we? So like anything digital we we are into. That's amazing. Where can we find this on your website? Yeah, it's on my website. Um, or you can just go to my Instagram. I just, um, added cause it just came out. So I've added like a little highlight that says anxiety. So if you click into that, it'll tell you all about the course and what's in it and whatnot. Yay. Okay. Well, we will definitely be linking that, um, below in the show notes. Mads, if anyone wants to kind of get in contact with you, where can we find you? Uh, yes, yeah, so I am on Instagram, um, Madison Don't, so D-O-H-N-T, just all one word. Um, I also have my YouTube channel, which has a lot of free information and tips and hacks and um, everything there. And yeah, got my website, got it all. Got so, it all. I mean, if you go onto one, it'll link you to all <laughs> <Exactly>. the others. <laughs> You'll have to find does. me somewhere. Yes. Well, honestly, thank you so much. Like I just know um, so many gals are going to be so grateful for you jumping on today because, um, you know, we can all take away something from this. And and what I've really taken away from this um, whole chat is like really make sure that you are fueling your body with the right like foods. Um, That's been a game changer for me like as well. Like I must admit, even like last year I would say my nutrition wasn't really up to scratch like I don't really know how I sustained like working so much and um 
you know, doing everything that I was doing, trying to kind of keep training, keep moving my body and like still kind of feel like, I guess, put like a lot of shit in my body. So like for me, that's like your chat today has really like made me um, like reassured that I am on the right path of like just fueling my body in the best ways possible. And like, I just know so many girls are going to be so thankful. So thank you so much. No, thank you so much for having me. This has been such a great chat. It's, it's exactly what we need. And needed. I'm so glad to, yeah, I was going to say, I'm so grateful to have some of your energy as well. Like you said, you have been showing up like so positive and energetic on stories. So I'm just like, yeah, let me just like absorb that. Through. Yeah, please. Give me, cool. some. Give me some. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks yeah. so much, man. <laughs> thank you.